Sure, who doesn't enjoy a great psychological thriller mind spank every once in a while? The Silence of the Lambs is a psychological horror film that follows the story of a young FBI trainee who becomes involved with one serial killer while chasing another. Greetings, it's me, the Horror Hound, and welcome to episode 15. Join me as I go deeper into the rabbit hole and uncover the truth behind the movie The Silence of the Lambs. It stars Jodie Foster in the lead role, while Anthony Hopkins and Ted Levine portray the serial killers whom she targets. The film has amassed universal acclaim and won multiple Academy Awards. It paints the picture of terrifying criminals and their disturbing crimes, which makes me wonder if all comes from someone's imagination or if it's based on real events. The Oscar-winning film tells the story of FBI cadet who enlists the help of cannibal-slash-serial killer to pen down another killer, Buffalo Bill, who scans the bodies of his victims. FBI Special Agent John Douglas, who consulted on the film, has explained that Bill was inspired in part by the serial killer Ted Bundy, who, like Bill, wore a fake cast. Ed Gain is also believed to be the inspiration, what with the whole skinny thing, and per Rolling Stone, 1980s killer Gary Hednick was a reference for how Buffalo Bill kept his victims in the basement pit. The Silence of the Lambs may instantaneously remind you and some other people of the villainous Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, but the film's most unnerving moments feature the focal serial killer Jane Gum. Portrayed by Ted Levine, the fictional character was introduced in Thomas Harris's 1988 novel, and the big screen portrayal has long made audiences wonder if Buffalo Bill is indeed a real person. The truth is, he's a terrifying amalgamation of all various American serial killers. The Silence of the Lambs revolves around the bizarre yet fascinating relationship between Hannibal Lecter and FBI trainee Clarice Starling, played by Jodie Foster. The film's provocative incident stems from the investigator's willingness to put aside her fears in favor of the truth, which impresses Lecter and leads him to provide valuable leads. Jonathan Demme's film hypes up the inevitable reveal of Buffalo Bill, which at once boosts the inherent suspense while touching about psychological factors that have made true crime production so popular both then and now. In The Silence of the Lambs, audiences learn about Buffalo Bill's lore methods and discover that he starves and skins his victims. The collective visuals are so shocking, but it's the character's psychology that makes Buffalo Bill so utterly disturbing. So, big question is, is The Silence of the Lambs based on a true story? No, it is not based on a true story. It is based on the book of the same name written by Thomas Harris. He based the character of Hannibal Lecter on a convicted killer he had met at a prison in Mexico. The part of the FBI agent Clarice Sterling is based on real-life FBI agent Patricia Kirby, who Harris had met while researching the novel. The character of Jack Crawford is based on FBI agent John Douglas, one of the most criminal profilers in the country, whose nonfiction book serves as source material of Netflix's Mindhunter. The idea to have the FBI agent using a serial killer to catch another one came from the Green River Killer case where Ted Bundy served as an advisor. One of the most terrifying serial killers in history, Bundy was on death row when Robert Keppel and David Reichert sought him out to understand the psychology of the killer and find out why he was killing people. Bundy told them to stake out the graves of the victims to other places where they had been dumped as he was most likely to revisit the sites. He believed that the serial killer was a necrophile much like himself. The insight proved helpful and Gary Ridgway, 
was caught after having murdered at least 70 women with a number of soon-to-be highest 90. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. So another great question to ask, is Buffalo Bill a real serial killer? Talking about his stories, Harris once claimed that he'd never really made up anything, be it the character of their crimes. He said that one needs not make up anything in this world. The same goes for Buffalo Bill. As horrifying a character as he might be, he was not a real person. However, aha, his crimes were an obligation of several serial killers. One, again, the one that has stuck with me the longest in this movie, however, is a shot where Clarice stumbles upon James' fashion studio and looks at what he has hanging on the mannequin. You can't talk about Buffalo Bill and not mention Wisconsin's very old Ed Gain. This man, while he was convicted of killing two women in 1957, is best known for what he did with the bodies that he borrowed from the local cemetery in his hometown of Plainfield. In the movie... Clarice Starling discovers that Buffalo Bill skins his victims because he is tailoring a suit out of them. In real life, again, used to wear the skins of his victims, admiring himself in the mirror as he would have worn a dress. He is believed to have tallied the body count to nine victims. He also inspired the character of another infamous six serial killer, Norman Bates. Bill's trick to lure his victims was to gain their sympathy by appearing helpless. He abducts Catherine when he tries to help him get a couch in his van, believing that this one hit this hand, one hand was hurt. So essentially Ted Bundy used to employ similar antics for getting his intended victims in his vicinity. The third piece of Bill's puzzle is Gary Michael Hednick. Just like Bill, Hednick used to imprison his victims in a basement before murdering them. While Harris brought together the worst characteristics of these serial killers to create Bill, actor Ted Levine added his own twist while bringing the character alive on screen. He suggested the dance and tuck scene bleh, for Bill, believing that it would show the audience just how disturbed a person he was. Very disturbed indeed, there said Levine. Wow, you totally went off, took that off into a whole other direction, pal. So, Buffalo Bill was inspired with the Green River Killer. Buffalo Bill displays a few traits that you could directly trace back to Gary Rigway, the aforementioned killer. Rigway was a messenger killer and a sadomasochist which couldn't be farther from Bill's motivations, but his method of disposal and his extracurricular decoration can be seen in Bill's actions. Gary Rigway was a maniacal evangelical Christian during the 1980s and 1990s raped, strangled, and desecrated the corpses of over 76 workers and underage runaways. Sick fuck. God, what's wrong with you, man? Sorry, pardon my language, but yeah. He was eventually convicted of killing 49 people, making him the most profile like a serial killer in American history, but he confessed to over 70 of these crimes. He was called the Green River Killer because that's where he disposed of the first five of his victims. After seeing this in the newspapers, he decided to change his dumping ground. Much like Bill and Sons of Lambs, Gary left the bodies of his victims in the water of fast-flowing river, helping to destroy any forensic evidence there might be on the body. Not to mention... Buffalo Bill had the same modus operandi of Gary Hennick and H.H. H. Holmes. Hennick was arrested for the kidnapping, torture, rape, and murder of six black women in the spring of 1987. He had a pit in his basement where he would keep these women sometimes for weeks before even letting them die of starvation or by electrocuting them to death. 
He would use a hose on the women, filling the bottom of the pit with water, then drop a frayed extension cord down onto the bottom. If this didn't work, it only succeeded to kill one of his victims. The rest of the time, he just did it for fun. He would finish the deed by placing duct tape over the victim's mouth and stabbing them through the ear with a screwdriver. Wow, this guy needs some serious... Well, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. He's in serious help. Anywho, as I digressed, as you can clearly see, The Silence of the Lambs is a terrifying movie because every single aspect of the film can be traced back to a very real serial killer for a very real crime. It shows us that the very real people next to us can be just monstrous as any demon or creature horror can throw our way. Even so, these are just a few of the true killers that Thomas Harris used from the foreman's idea for Buffalo Bill and Dr. Hannibal Lecter. People will say we're in love. Well, that is definitely far off the truth there, Mr. Lecter. Anyway, the trailer, as it begins, you know, the, in the Silence of Lambs trailer is pretty disturbing, but sets you up for the movie pretty damn well. The trailer opens with loud and scary music as well as a serial killer, Dr. Hamill's Lecter's face popping up on the screen. It then flashes to FBI rookie Clary Starling, who is headed to talk with someone in a jail cell. As she walks towards the jail cell, a narrator states that a killer is on the loose, and then the trailer flashes to a scene that shows newspaper headlines for killer Buffalo Bill, abducting and murdering women. The trailer can then focuses back on Clarice walking towards the jail cell, while the narrator explains that Clarice is on Buffalo Bill's trail. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> As viewers, you can assume that whoever's jail cell Clarice is walking towards might be helpful in finding Buffalo Bill. So, yeah, that, that's the trailer is kind of weird, but yeah, whatever, you, you get it. So, then the narrator explains that in order for Clarice to catch Buffalo Bill, she would have to match wits with serial killer Lecter, who was imprisoned in jail. Yet, while Lecter may be the key to finding and arresting Buffalo Bill, he is also an insane and murderous psychotic killer. So, in order to understand the psychology of a killer, you got to talk to another killer and then talk to all these other killers just to catch one guy. Do what you got to do, man. So, an essential difference between The Silence of the Lambs and its sequel, Hannibal, is that the former is frightening, involving, and disconcerting, while the latter is merely disturbing. Say that five times fast. It is easy enough to construct a geek show if you start with a cannibal. The secret of silence is that it doesn't start with a cannibal. It arrives at him through the eyes and minds of young women. Silence of the Lambs is the story of Clarice Starling, the FBI trainee played by Jodie Foster, and the story follows her without considerable interruption. Dr. Hannibal Lecter lurks at the heart of the story, a malevolent but somehow likable presence. Likable per se, because he likes Clarice and helps her. But Lecter, as played by Anthony Hopkins, is the sideshow, and Clarice is in the center ring. And then we later find out that Hannibal Lecter is in love with Clarice, so they share so much. Aww. Both are not accepted by the worlds they want to inhabit. Lecter by the human race, because he is a, a, a badass serial killer and cannibal, and Clarice by the law enforcement profession, because she is a woman. Both feel powerless, and Lecter because he is locked in maximum security and bound and gagged like King Kong when he has moved. And Clarice because she is surrounded by men who tower over her and fondle her with her eyes. Look at my boobs. Anyway, 
Both use their influence as a persuasion to escape from their traps. Lecter is able to rid himself of the pest in the next cell by talking him into choking his own tongue, and Clarice is able to persuade Lecter to aid her in a search for the serial killer named Buffalo Bill. I'm sorry, when I hear when I say Buffalo Bill, I think of the Western. I mean, does anyone else think that whatsoever? Seriously. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. Okay, and both share a similar childhood wounds. Lecter is touched when he learns that Clarice lost both her parents at an early age and was also shipped off to relatives and was essentially an unloved orphan. And Lecter himself was a victim of child abuse. This is all in the DVD commentary trap, by the way. And Dim says he regrets not underlining this more. So, these corresponding subjects are mirrored by patterns and visual strategy. Note that both Lecter and his prison cell in Buffalo Bill and his basement are arrived at by Starling after going down several flights of stairs and passing through several doors. They live in the underworlds, essentially. So note the way the movie always seems to be looking at Clarice. The point of view camera takes the place of the criticizing man in her life. And when she enters dangerous spaces, it is there waiting for her instead of following her in. Note the consistent use of red, white, and blue, not only in the FBI scenes, but also in the flag draped over the car and the storage shed. Other flags on Bill's lair are even the graduation cake at the end, with the U.S. Eagle and the frosting as ghastly reminder of the way Lecter pinned a security guard spread eagle to the walls of his cage. Okay, you go, boy. Do what you gotta do to get that meat. Anyway, I'm falling for now. I tell you what. Summarizing the movie, so Clarice is an enthusiastic student at the Academy and hopes to one day work at the Agency Behavioral Science Unit. Jack Crawford, who is in charge of the BSU, asks Clarice to visit the cannibalistic murderer Dr. Hannibal Lecter at Maximus Security's psychiatric prison. Although Clarice does not know it at first, Crawford hopes that Lecter will provide a clearer picture of the new psychopathic serial killer Buffalo Bill and his modus operandi. Buffalo Bill has already killed five victims, all of which are slightly overweight young women and were stripped of large portions of their skin. It puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose again. Crawford and his team had been on Buffalo Bill's trail for a while, but have had no real breakthroughs. Oh, because you guys suck. Anyway, after speaking to Lecter for the first time, Clarice realized that in order to solve the case, she will have to play along with his psychological games. Like Monopoly. Or Sorry. Or Shoots and Ladders. I don't know. <laughs> so, more importantly, she will have to figure out how much she will, how she will play along. As in return for his insight, he requests that Clarice tell him about her past and emotionally open up to him. This is how psychopathic serial killers get to you. You open up to them, you develop Stockholm Syndrome, and then you're fucked. Just saying. So, the case may, takes a major turn when they uncover that the sixth victim had a rare death's head moth purposely placed in her throat. With this key piece of evidence, as well as Lecter's analysis of Buffalo Bill's case file, Clarice and the FBI must hurry up to search Buffalo Bill's seventh victim. Catherine Martin, oh, I guess plays the victim, and in the end, Lecter escapes from custody. Clarice finds Buffalo Bill's lair and kills him right before he tries to kill her. Clarice graduates from the academy, and during the graduate reception, she receives a cryptic phone call from Lecter. Hey! Woo! Popping circumstance! Anyway. Alright, let's break it down by character analysis. Bum, bum, bum! Character, character, analysis, analysis, analysis. In terms of character breakdown, Clarice is our lead protagonist, and Buffalo Bill is our main antagonist. 
While Lecter is clearly a heinous figure in the movie, he is not as seemingly as malicious as Buffalo Bill. No, no shit. So perhaps it is because he is intrigued and fascinated by Clarice and does not want to harm her. Aww. It could also be because he values and contributes some aspects of society. How do you contribute to society when you're a killer? I'm curious. Can someone explain it to me, please? Even though he defies them at other points, moreover, it could also be because he provides useful advice for finding a Buffalo Bill and is essential in solving the case. So, interesting cameos in the movie, which I thought was really cool, by the way. I read these up on um, Reddit, I think was the name of the website. Anyway, there are also interesting cameo presences. 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 Is that plural or singular? Can someone help me out here? Presences made through the film. Danny Darst, who played Sergeant Tate, is known for his career as a singer and songwriter. Chris Isaac, who played a SWAT commander in the film, is also an American musician and is widely known for his hit, Play These Wicked Games, as well as Baby Did a Bad Thing. Okay, whatever. Seems like a peak somewhere. Somebody's crying. I've never heard those, but I guess I almost said Chris Isaac, though. Furthermore, Edward Saxon, one of the most, one of the film's producers, also makes an appearance in the film, and can be seen as Benjamin Raspill's severed head, which is found in a jar in Lecter's storage unit. Oh, she so keep it as a souvenir. Oh my god. What's wrong with these people? Alright. Why is this movie a classic? Excellent question. I'm going to tell you right now. So The Silence of the Lambs is an overpowering, fascinating film and a truly chilling masterpiece of horror. It is a classic because it manages to showcase the terrifying yet also deeply realistic aspects of the human condition. In this movie, we are brought into the madness of psychoanalyzing a killer in order to find another killer. By roving deep into the mind of a madman, we must reconsider our world and ourselves. Most impressionably, this movie tends to stay in your thoughts after you watch it. While it is horrifically brilliant, it is more so psychologically distressing. Take the red pill or take the blue pill, because we don't know what's going on in reality, right? Okay. So, in closing, I really enjoyed this film because not only do I like a good psychological thriller mind spank, but when it is combined with true crime, it, com it becomes more fascinating. Throughout the entire film, I was frightened, both because of the film's clever influence of the story and image, and for better reasons why well, we like Clarice and all the viewers can identify with her fear and for her, just like liked her. So, if you want, um, be sure to leave a comment on the page if you want to. I would appreciate any feedback you have on this episode. Closer, please. Closer. On the next episode of the Horrorverse, join me as I discuss the movie The Strangers, sadly inspired by real-life violent crimes, including some brutal murders. A 2008 American psychological horror film written and directed by Brian Bertino. The screenplay was inspired by two real-life events, the Manson family Tate murders, which is a multiple homicide, as well as a series of break-ins that had occurred in Bertino's neighborhood. The Strangers is scary precisely because it could very much happen to anyone watching it. Sadly, in the world today, this world is full of murderous psychopaths, usually hiding in plain sight. Please support the Horrorverse by subscribing it to one of the following platforms. Anchor FM, Breaker Radio, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify.